Welcome to Callan Dave vs. The Machine. My name is Kyle. And I'm David. And I'm The Machine. This is, of course, a podcast where a sentient machine is forcing us each season to watch movies from a specific year in order to prevent it from starting the apocalypse. That year just so happens to be the year 1982. The machine still threatens our lives if we don't review the films it asks us to, although we do tend to talk about the ideas of the movie rather than the movie itself. And today, we're going to be watching the film Halloween 3 Season of the Witch. Ooh, spooky. Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, the night no one comes home. You don't really know much about Halloween. Halloween. The barriers will be down between the real and the unreal. And the dead might be looking in. The last great one took place 3,000 years ago when the hills ran red. Halloween, the children. You happen to know anything about this cockroach? Big thank you, of course, to our patrons over on Patreon. Their contributions help us continue this show. And since you know, the machine doesn't help us pay for these movies, all of your support goes to a very important cause, our wallets. Plus, you know, each month we do a bonus episode over there. Now, before we get into talking about this week's film and our backstory with this franchise and with this film, we know from last week, we uncovered Old Man Jenkins being All underneath right, the story. cover. Yes, so we Scooby-Dooed it. We Scooby-Dooed it, um, which was good because I didn't want to have to fight this uh, unseen terror encroaching oh, yeah. on us walking towards scary. us yes. although ominous i'm pretty sure that dds is in this forest dds dds of course being the arch nemesis of this season mm-hmm, go mm-hmm. and listen to all of our other episodes to hear the rich backstory it's deep deep and rich fiction yeah. that we well developed mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. some would say best written podcast on the airwaves i mean i don't know what the oscars are for (laughs) podcasting but i think we should at least get nominated yeah it's feeling good maybe a golden globe nomination Mm -hmm. if they're Mm -hmm. feeling lucky so i still think we're being stalked but uh we'll uh we'll keep up to date with that dave even though we do record this each and every week face to face oh yeah it does sound like we are actually in the same room for once i don't know about the acoustics in this cabin yeah it's it's because it's we're in a cabin. It's because we're in a cabin. It's because mm-hmm. we're in a cabin. And if you hear drag racing in the background, that's not drag racing. No, it's just your imagination. No, it's yeah. uh, skiffs. What do they call air air boats? There's it's a name a, for them. The swamp stoop? ones. Stoop? No, not that stoop. Not a, no, a sloop is sloop. a sailboat. That's, that's a sailboat. Is. Yes. Going down to the bayou. You were in the bayou. <laughs> in the swamp. This is, of course, all callbacks to previous episodes that you can listen to whatever, wherever you listen to podcasts on the Deep and Rich Fiction that we've created. Well, how are they going to keep up with the Deep and Rich Fiction <laughs> if they aren't back cataloging our episodes? Yeah. yeah. But do please keep an eye out for our new podcast called Dad on the Bayou. <laughs> <laughs> Bayou. Bayou. 
just one very quick feedback. Oh wow, that we received a lot of criticism lately. It's not really yeah. criticism. This was yeah. sent in via Instagram direct message. Clement actually wrote in. We had briefly kind of mentioned in our King of Comedy episode okay. about uh, talking about the whole body of work of uh, Martin Scorsese, and I said, you know, Silence I think is a modern day masterpiece. Clement agrees. He says you should also check out the original Japanese film that I did not know existed. I did not know it was actually a, an original film from Japan first. That, oh, okay. That Scorsese was actually okay. adapting into a different type of film. So he departed it. Yeah, he did actually. Except uh, Departed is not is a Korean film, correct? No, Chinese. Chinese. Yeah. Yes. Well, Hong Kong. Sorry. Yes. I, I just know. offended half the people. There's right. a famous Infernal. It was. I think someone just threw a brick through your window. Actually. Yeah. yeah through the window so, of the cabin. Right. I was. I know it's a translation, but I feel like when they put in English, it shouldn't have been called Infernal Affairs. Mm. It should have been called what? I don't know. Internal affairs. Oh, I see. Because it's about the internal. Is that too literal? But it's infernal because of the the hate one has for the other. The Japanese film is called Silence as well, so okay. they're called the same thing. And it's from check this out, Dave. Check it. It's from the year nineteen seventy one. So <laughs> of we could it is. we could yeah, call it Audible yeah. and review that film after yeah. The Bay of Blood. Oh, this, I, I was hoping you would say instead of no. in lieu we, of. We, we've already promised The Bay of Blood will be bloodied and talked yeah. about. But. No, let's watch Silence. What's left for 71? And it's on Criterion too, actually. So it's even better. Okay. What's the other, uh, although I haven't seen uh, we Silence. Have, well, there's Demons, which I think we should watch because it's considered one of the, the big best ones. films of all time. Uh, and there was A Touch of Zen was the other one. Silence is not on Netflix anymore, right? No, no, the Martin Scorsese one is not on Netflix anymore. It actually is. It's just really, really quiet. You no, know, it also is not on Netflix, Dave. What's that? The Halloween franchise. So I was thinking we should do this. I know what your answer is going to be, but uh, what's your history Nothing. with the Halloween franchise of films? I have no history with Halloween. But not even like iconography, music, you know, anything Mike like Myers, that? Jamie Lee Curtis, mm -hmm. Kitchen Knife. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's all I got. I, of course, was scared to watch any of these movies as a teenager because yes. I was a little weenie boy. And no, couldn't. it's gross because <laughs> it's disgusting that anyone no, watches I, this stuff. I will, I will plant my flag. I think the original Halloween film is a masterpiece. It's five out of five for me. Puts oh. John Carpenter on the map, allows him to then make a string of films that nobody went to Suck. in the 80s. Okay, yeah. Uh, but then were reclaimed 10 years later as masterpieces by ah. the kids who actually watched them on home video. Okay, okay. Don't tell me big... Trouble in Little China is a bad movie, Dave. That's a I'll great movie. You. Is that a John Carpenter movie? It's a movie? John Carpenter joint. That's an excellent film. I'm also going to call it Starman with Jeff Bridges, Starman was which good. is great. That's also, That's John, also Carpenter. a John Carpenter movie. Be weird if we watched another John Carpenter movie this year. What? I'm stroking my chin. If only, <laughs> only that were a thing. Mm. I'm, I'm just going to look it up here. I, of course, was it last year? I think it was last year where I took it upon myself to be like, Enough of this. I love the original Halloween. Have never watched any of the sequels. Okay. I should sit down and watch. All of them. All of them. Because you have too much time on your hands. Yeah. <laughs> Some would say that I'm just a passionate film lover, Dave. Yeah, but not me. I would just say you have too much time on your hands. Some would say I'm a loser, is what they would say. <laughs> I didn't say that out loud. Here's the thing. The Halloween franchise is so buck wild because... To go through it, Dave, just to ruin the plots of, of these films. But what if I want to watch them? I'm pretty sure you can guess what's going to happen. <laughs> First Halloween, it's Jamie Lee Curtis, her character's name, Laurie Strode. 
Michael Myers is this demonic kind of figure, wears the white mask, starts killing babysitters. You know, that's basically what you want his to do. thing. Yeah, yeah. There's more backstory to it, but that's essentially what's going on. If you can find it, there is this amazing piece of audio that was somehow saved of uh, someone who went to one of the original showings of Halloween okay. and recorded the audience reaction oh. to Halloween. On like an 8-track or something? It must have yeah, been. Yeah. Like, I have no idea how you would have done it's that like in 1978. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This is also my thing. There is bootleg copies of certain Broadway shows from like the 60s and 70s. I'm like, how? How are you bringing bring, this camera Well, they did in that in the 90s. People would bring in uh, camcorders, I think at the time they were called, and they would hide them like in their jackets. Mm -hmm. and you have they to be used, close to the microphone or else no one's going to hear you. But They would uh, hide them right. uh, in their jackets. And then, speaking of close to the microphone on our videos, you are constantly talking away from no Ed. And then you would watch these bootlegs and uh, they were terrible because mm -hmm. <laughs> they're like shot from the hip. Yeah, they're terrible. Yeah. But it's like, at least there's some they sort exist. of record of, yeah. of what's going on. And the big reveal, and I, we talked about this last week about how I, why I enjoy Halloween more than any of the Friday the 13th films okay. is that they give me a character who I care about and who I want to see succeed rather than just being served up and people being murdered. But one of the biggest reveals is she overcomes the evil. He gets shot Michael Myers does get shot, falls out backwards out the window. And we go up to the window, and he looks out, and Michael Myers is gone. Mm, and mm. the reaction in this video is like people going like, what? Like people are like freaking out. Their beans have completely blown. Beans. Yeah, it's a code word for head. And yeah, brain. yeah, yeah. Beans. I use that often. <laughs> Your bean beans has been freaked. Blown. So Halloween 2 then, of course, comes out. Immediately? Like, um, is it planned? I don't know. No, it, okay. because this movie was so big, it's like, well, we have to put a sequel out there. Okay. That comes out in 1981, so three years after the okay. original film. Jamie Lee Curtis has become a bigger star at this point. She had done some a few other horror films, too. It's a direct continuation of that night. So she's been taken to the hospital. Michael Myers follows, starts killing a bunch of people in the hospital, trying to get to her. The ending of that movie, of Halloween 2, both of Michael Myers' eyes are shot out. He is set on fire nice. and they explode the hospital. Okay. So it's pretty conclusive that Michael Myers is maybe, dead. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Which does set up this movie. John Carpenter, Deborah Hill, his producing partner, are asked like, well, let's do another one. This one was so successful. We should do another Halloween. And they're like, okay, but there's no it's way no to continue Myers. this story. Right, right. He is canonically dead so they wanted to do an anthology film and it fails spectacularly in a bunch of different ways both monetarily and critically and so that is why halloween 4 is called the return of michael myers okay this is where it gets kind of weird as far as timelines go four five and six are their kind of own specific trilogy within the series jamie lee curtis is not involved in any way but it follows like her cousin a little girl five and six are complete dog shit movies they're very bad they're very very bad like friday the 13th bed <laughs> worse actually i think in a, in a couple of different places mm -hmm. like just terrible but they do that, that, that trilogy, and uh, it has some fans uh, out there, but I think, by and large, they're terrible films. Which is why, eventually, in 1998, they decide to do Halloween H20, or mm. H2O, some people will call it. Water, yeah. Which is Halloween 20 years later, because it's 1998 versus 1978. I remember when that came out, yeah. yes. I do too. I actually vividly remember the uh trailers for this on, on tv i remember the trailers that much but i remember yeah it was a big deal it was Jamie a big deal. Lickers came Jamie back. Yeah. returning back into this franchise post true lies yeah, yeah but what had happened in the intervening years within that other trilogy 
they had retconned and then retconned retcons and it gets so convoluted because now Michael Myers and Laurie Strode were siblings but didn't know about it. It gets so dumb. Anyways, what this film did was like, forget about all those sequels. We're only taking the first and second film. Okay. Those are the only ones that are like canonically true. And we're going to forget that all the rest of this stuff happened. That is followed up by Halloween Resurrections, which is one of seven movies I've given half a star to <laughs> on my letterbox. It is so bad, like okay. actively painful to watch. Then uh, the franchise is basically dead. Rob Zombie comes in and decides to reboot the whole thing. He does a movie called Halloween, Halloween 2. There are a bunch more fans of that. I'm not a big fan of Rob Zombie as a director, so they don't do it for me. And then David Gordon Green has come out here recently, and he re rebooted the franchise as well. But Jamie Lee Curtis came back again. But disregarding Halloween H20, disregarding Halloween Resurrections, even disregarding Halloween 2. So we're just going back to the original Halloween, direct continuation of that now 40 years later or 30 years later. And so there was Halloween, Halloween Kills, which came out last year. And then when this episode goes live, there will be Halloween Ends, which is supposed to be the end of the Michael Myers saga. We shall see. I don't ever trust any film series that says this is the last one for sure. I'm like, no, it's not. Yeah, they make if, another Indiana if it makes, Jones. Yeah. If it makes it enough money, you will make another movie. Yes. 100%. When do we start to make money? Um, this is all to say that as much as I've seen all the movies, am I a fan of the Halloween franchise? No. But I do love the first film okay. quite a bit. And this third one is such a weird entry because it was intended to be an anthology film series from this point on it has nothing to do with any of that stuff here no. have you seen the box art have you heard people talk about it before no i just know at the time people hated it critics hated it because it was such a departure from the first two halloween films and so when i viewed it last year for the first time it was under the idea that it was slowly becoming reevaluated in a way okay one because there had been a bunch of time that had elapsed and there had been and it so, got so much worse. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. I, there were so many worse examples of Halloween films that people could kind of take it for what it was rather than be like, well, this is not what I wanted a Halloween movie to be. But I was also growing up being told this was the worst one. This is the worst Halloween film in the entire series. Okay. And I did not feel that way. I am one of the people who thinks we should reevaluate this film in a way. I do not think it's a home run. I don't think this is like, the, one of the best horror films ever made or or a good one um i do i do think it's a good one so we'll, we'll, we'll get into that i'm kind of in the middle where it's like i'm not trying to say this is the best halloween film or it's like this unsung classic at the same time i don't think it's the worst one i think it's a little bit unfairly maligned by some people and i just find it too weird to be bad that's okay. kind of where i come down it's just too weird it's a weird movie I can see that you're not convinced. No, but. no, you're, you're, uh, I feel like you're like a couple steps ahead of yourself. You're like reviewing the movie already. No, I'm just, I'm, well, I've seen the movie already. So I have to tell you <laughs> what, I, what my exper experience is with this movie in All the right. past. All right. Let's, let's talk about the movie. I, I think so. I think it's time to delve into Halloween 3 season of the witch. Okay. Well, let's go thank some sponsors. And then when we return, uh, we'll be talking more about this movie. Dave, which of the masks would you pick out of the pumpkin, the skeleton, oh. and the uh, witch? 
I know they're all gross, and I don't want my face to... Oh, wait, can we spoil it? Turn into bugs? But mm-hmm. uh, probably a pumpkin? Kind of weenie that way? Yeah. I, go I like the skeleton. I think the skeleton is by far the best one. Yeah. Those, of course, were made before a lot of rules were put into place because that is a suffocation hazard if I've ever uh, seen one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, what rules? Because they're too ugly? No, because no. they're, yeah, put not this, unsafe. Put this felt thing around your mouth Latex, and nose. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the good old days when uh, it was acceptable. We suffocated all the time when we were kids. We turned out okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I don't have asthma. Because uh, they made it hard for you to breathe. Mm-hmm. You have to fight for it. You know, Con Dave versus the Machine is, of course, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. The Alberta Podcast Network promotes and supports Alberta made podcasts and connects their audiences with Alberta based businesses and organizations. My job is easy this week because I get to talk to you about Connect First Credit Union, who has very nicely made a, an ad spot for us already. So let's go and listen to that. Do you ever feel like just a number, a digit, a denominator, a decimal, another cog in the big bank machine, waiting on hold, online, never on time, and always on your dime? Like your worth is only calculated by your net worth. In a world full of numbers, it's nice to know there's a place where you're not one. Connect First Credit Union. Bank on a brighter future. Great, uh, great ad copy, I guess. I don't yeah, know. I enjoyed the production of it. All right. Well, uh, our second message comes from PodPower. PodPower makes it possible for us to amplify the voices of Albertans and Alberta podcasters. This episode, the Edmonton Community Foundation is helping us give a PodPower shout out to Book Women. Book Women is a podcast about editing, publishing, and writing Indigenous stories. Three Métis librarians representing nations from across the homeland aim to inspire Indigenous peoples to share their stories in whatever form that they enjoy. Guests include Indigenous storytellers from diverse mediums like podcasting, burlesque, books, comics, social media, films, music, and everything in between. You can listen and find out more at bookwomenpodcast.ca. All right, Dave, we have uh, taken the time to go and watch this film or rewatch it in my case. Mm-hmm. I want to create a little scenario for us here. So let's say that... I would not talk to a child, but I, I know where you're going. Well, yeah, let's, you know, the Halloween season is upon us. Mm-hmm. And let's say that you're taking your kid mm-hmm. out for trick-or-treating and you come to my house and I am dressed up as Halloween 3, Season of the away. Witch. Yeah, I would immediately walk away. <laughs> I'm dressed up as the VHS copy of <laughs> Halloween 3. But like this guy takes Halloween way too seriously. We're going to the next house. That's right. And I'm not giving out candy, which is why I have been egged consistently throughout yeah, the So weirder. I'm giving you a toothbrush. <laughs> Your son has kicked me in the shins. And I'm saying, but I have this VHS copy of Halloween three, season of the witch. But remind me, Dave, what is this movie about? Oh, so man. Dave, how would you explain the plot to Halloween three? Yeah, when you explain plot, do you give away a spoiler? I guess Let's say a presumably alcoholic doctor <laughs> is set on a quest after a mysterious man is murdered in his hospital mm-hmm. by someone who has immolated himself in a car. Right. Yeah. And they go to a small little town to try and discover what is up. With these masks. With these masks. Yeah. And this creepy jingle that keeps playing consistently throughout the movie. They're going to kill us all. That's his last words. And so... 
I guess you have no baggage because you've never seen any of the Halloween films. Right, right. So this is your first foray into it. I'm so curious to know what your thoughts were on Halloween 3. So watching it, I guess to start off, particularly because we watched uh, Friday the 13th Part 3 three, three last week, uh, it looks great. It's oh, it shot great. really well. Yeah. We'll talk about Dean Cundy. Emphasis on the D. <laughs> So, uh, I don't, I don't know why he keeps saying it. Um, so it's shot really well and it looks like a big budget or medium budget right. film, not like a home video where they're going to show some boobs and, uh, slit people's throats. So the wild thing is that their budgets were about the same. So that's talent. Yes. Um, to my expectations, of course, the acting is better than uh, Friday 13th, yeah. but it's not no, A-list, I, no, right? I it's, yeah, it's still a borderline B movie. I think after our talk last week where you uh, enlightened me that I don't mind horror, I just hate slasher, yes. and I do like science fiction, this movie was straddling this line. Yeah. It was making me feel a little bit like we were watching like Omega Man and Drama to Strain, you know, that kind yeah. of stuff yeah, where yeah. you're like, is this a horror movie? I mean, the kills are gross, but they're not too... Uh, I would say there's only one that's like gruesome yeah yeah and some of them are even shown like done off screen like you don't well, even the, see it the drill had to be because i I know now they would just show it but right. uh that one so there was a couple of things like that but it is not in my mind really a horror movie it's like a weird science fiction movie to me there are robots in it which mm -hmm. is hilarious and uh, i found myself kind of okay with it yeah it's not a great movie but it's not it's not bad and then i wikipedia'd what halloween is and i was like no wonder people hate this movie it has nothing yeah, to do with nothing. mike myers yeah. like like i i do have to give a little bit of credit to audiences of the time if you were going to see a movie called halloween 3 right and you're a fan of halloween 1 and 2 of course right. you're gonna think same at least the same tone yeah maybe some of the same characters will show up and when neither of those things happens like what is this that i'm watching and to your point not really interested in the horror elements of this show. I, I would still call this a horror film, but like those are very vastly downplayed into it being like an investigation, a little bit of science fiction into it. So like I get it of why fans were upset by this movie. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm just upset by everything. You know, the other thing that I thought was interesting, it is a bit predictable, but they, the storytelling wise, they do give you those little pieces like on the tv and like yeah. news reports so you can piece it together you know by the big reveal at the end it doesn't have any witches in it okay i was i was wait <laughs> this is my thing uh you, you stepped on my joke that i wanted to do because it's like people can complain that this is called halloween 3 and i think it's justified maybe it should have just been called like halloween colon whatever I'm more upset that it's called Season of the Witch when there's no fucking witches there's in this no movie. no witch. Not even one witch. <laughs> like, they talk about witchcraft, and right. that's as close as they get to being a witch in this movie. I was really hoping that as the evil plot is collapsing, it, I thought we were going to go Ghostbusters, and we're going to get Zool. So, like, when Stonehenge rock starts to glow, yeah. I thought the old man was going to transform into, like, the head, the head of the coven. And then she would fly out and now he just disappeared. Yeah, I, again, I know very much the shortcomings of this film. I'm, I'm very open by, it's a little bit of anticlimactic at the end. You kind of want there to be a big payoff to this whole thing. I do like the twist with the, with the girlfriend being a robot. Being a robot at yeah. the end, for sure. It's very, 
in my opinion, Twilight Zoney. Mm, this movie yeah, where there's always yeah. that final little, little hook at the very end where you think they're out of danger and like, nope. And then they don't give you a whole lot of hope at the yeah. end of the movie either. And I also realize that the sexual politics of this movie are bad. Oh, the dude's like, very handsy. bad. Like very bad. Very handsy. I, I've seen some reviews that are basically like, you're telling me I'm supposed to like be rooting for this guy who's like, me tooing everyone and is a drunkard <laughs> and a bad father. And I don't know. I push back a little bit because I don't know. At least I'll just speak for me. I don't think I'm pulling for him. No. I want him to uncover the plot and, and, and solve it, but I'm not pulling for him to succeed yeah. in any type of way. I don't think the, yeah, I don't, I didn't feel like the story was to empathize with him. He's, no. he's shown as a douchebag. I think right. we're all just worried the, about the, the, his kids. Exactly. It's like, I want his kids not to die. Yeah. Like that, that's what I want to have happen. But especially when you're in that moment, it's like, how old are you? I'm like, dude, it's a little late to be asking <laughs> that question. It's been a whole heck of a lot of groping. <laughs> yeah. So I kind of set this up at the beginning where I just find this movie so weird at, that I can't say that it's, it's bad. Like, why this 47-year-old man is your lead? Like, I, like I, for me at least, clearly this was written for like someone about 10 years younger than mm. this guy who looks like the prototypical 80s dad. Yeah, like, yeah. And yet he like seduces or has people falling in, three people that fall in lust with him throughout this movie. I'm like, what? why? How? How is this guy pulling this much? I don't get it. Male fantasies. I guess. Yeah. But I, I think that it's effectively creepy. I think that the mystery itself is actually done really well. I love that setup of like the lone guy running down the highway and into like the gas station. It's like, yeah, what is going on here? Uh, like you pointed out, I do like how they kind of pan over to like the TV or the radio to kind of fill in the pieces without being like blatant. Like someone has to come and tell you what's going on. And uh, the, the, uh, the actual plan, I'm not completely sold on either like i don't yeah, know I don't really, really what understand. the guy's plan no. is uh roger and ebert writes about that in his reviews like what is this guy's plan like, like did at the end he of the day imply that he's three thousand years yes. old yeah. yeah he's he's old but i think if you dig a little deeper into this movie too there is some like metaphorical themes you can get into about like capitalism oh, yeah. consumerism tv culture tv also. culture like i mean that's the conclusion right just mm -hmm. turn it off just turn, turn off, off the turn tv, the TV off yeah. right which was a big thing a lot in the 80s especially of like these uh which has been basically debunked at this point about the subliminal messages that tv was oh, yeah. sending out well i mean other than uh what's QAnon right now jewish or homosexual or right. homosexual jews that are programming worst. us programming us through the interwebs right the, like the real subliminal messages like putting in like drink coke or something yeah. like that although well disney got caught with that right the, you, it's all in their uh kids films right the sex the sex stuff and the right I, I think it's what's in been, there it's, i think what's been sorry let me just take a step back because i was reading this article about this a couple of years ago or, or last year it's not that subliminal messages weren't put into things is that their effects don't actually have an effect. Oh, like, yeah. not those ones. Yeah. Algorithms are a very different thing if we're talking yes. about social media. But if it's just, like, drink Coke or, like, a boo flashes club. by yeah. or the Fight Club thing, yeah. it's like it's not enough for you, like, oh, my God, I have to have Coke now. Like, yeah. it, like, that doesn't actually happen that way. Don't forget to rate, share, and subscribe. Rate, share, subscribe. But I don't know. The, the whole feeling of this movie is so bizarre that I can't stop watching it. So I, I just I, I just like the movie. And I feel bad for saying I like this movie for some reason. But I think that it got so criticized at the time that people just assume, oh, yeah, it's just a bad movie. It's terrible. And have never rewatched it or gone back to it a whole lot. And I think there's a lot there, even though, yes, the acting isn't like top notch or but Music's great, looks phenomenal, mystery, central mystery is interesting. It's a, it's a good sit, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> it just has, it has the wrong name. They, they could have called it 
trick-or-treat or something and it, it, i think it would have held up i think people might have liked it as a vhs b movie but yeah i mean taking the season of the witch out of it i think the worst thing was calling this halloween three yeah. they should not have had the number in there or season of the witch colon halloween or something like something. that which is what they would do nowadays i think well even witch i think it was a mistake yeah but you know it did get me on wikipedia to learn that halloween was imported by Irish. So I was wondering why he's Irish. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. But Halloween uh, was kind of brought by Irish and Scottish immigrants during... It was a pagan ritual, was it not? Uh, originally. I mean, it is appropriate by the Christian institution, by uh, like even by the 16th, 17th century. So it's not like a new thing. And the roots for pa uh, the pagan roots, <laughs> the, you know, it's pagan source is actually contested, but it's implied by, you know, they always have these historical documents and pictures, etc. Even its purpose is kind of interpreted through the interpretations of the Christian church. So the idea of all Hallow's Eve and spirits coming for us to um, you know, make peace with. I think the pagan part was the idea that those spirits coexisted with us for a full, like the whole year. And this was the time which they could pass. Yeah. So Christians wouldn't like that. No, but it's, it's, it's all in our, uh, seeped into our culture now, in, in yes. deep, deeper ways because yep. obviously Halloween is All Hallows Eve, which is All Hallows Day, which is November 1st, but is why election day in the United States has to happen the first Tuesday after the first Monday. So it never shows up on November 1st. Because ah, you don't want the demons. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like those things you don't it even hasn't think been about. Working. Yeah, it hasn't been working. That was kind of interesting. Um, you know, I don't know. Again, the Stonehenge thing was weird with an Irish guy because Stonehenge is not in Ireland. So I don't know. There was just a lot of weird. Yeah, they're kind of like things. piecing together a bunch of different yeah. things. I, I do agree. There's some other criticism I've read. Uh, this is also in the Ebert review. It's just a hodgepodge of other films that have done it better. Mm -hmm. And again, don't really disagree. Like there's elements of invasion of the body snatchers. Right. There's elements of other things like that. So I don't know, like a B, B minus of those films. but still enjoyable in its own right i think it's not garbage yeah yeah again we watched garbage. friday the 13th part yeah. three which i think is a garbage film yeah and i'm gonna rate it probably a little bit higher than what most people would be comfortable with but it's uh i think it's solid and i think it's because of my expectations initially were so low for this movie that's like oh this is actually way better than i've always been told having no expectations and no history allowed me to sit through this and just appreciate it mm -hmm. a couple things here this plot wise. Did you notice there's there's that um couple who eventually gets killed off they arrive in like their big like RV. Oh, with the kid? With yeah, the kid. Yeah. Do you see that the kid like flips off the mom? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. How would you handle that as a parent? <laughs> well, this thing, I think, I mean, I don't know yet. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that'll happen. You know, we'll see if that's a cultural thing with mm -hmm. American families. You know, there's always this idea of the teenage rebellion is a teenager telling people to go fuck themselves all the time. Yeah. I, I was just, I just rewatched maybe one of the great films, I don't know about all the time, but everything everywhere all at once. And oh, yeah, the, yeah. there's that scene when she's a teenager and same thing. Thing, you know just telling her mom to just like fucking fuck off so that she can live her life but this kid's pretty young but it did get me thinking when i saw him flip the mom off of what you're telling me about the reaganist idea in friday the 13th that if you have sex you're gonna die if you're a bad person you're gonna die this one actually handled that a little bit better because mm -hmm. it wasn't about virginity or sin or no. anything but it was alluding that the kid was gonna die because <laughs> yes. he's such a little prick i wish they had made that boy worse than he was like mm. if they'd made it like a roll doll thing where he's just a monster and then wouldn't feel so bad that his head turned into uh, insects and snakes it's disgusting <laughs> it's a good effect i have to say and I, as someone who is not all that uh 
scared of snakes. I'm, I'm not a big fan if there's a whole mass of no, bugs coming gross. at me, yeah, but yeah. like, yeah. but it's like, yeah, effectively gross. Maybe I need to watch more horror films. By and large, it's actually very rare for kids to die mm-hmm. in a horror film. They'll, they'll be put into danger, but it's like the teenagers, the adults, those are who get killed off in the gruesome ways. And this one's like, no, they they wrecked that kid. <laughs> they, they, they show his face being melted off. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. I think the most gruesome death actually was the Just lady. The woman, yeah. The woman. lady in the motel what the hell was that just the uh crater of her face yeah, yeah. yeah. why why we need a little bit of gore in there yeah. uh that's actually dino de Laurentiis uh, asked them to do that oh. true story oh to add it in <laughs> add in more gore into the story because it wasn't enough the other part that i unironically love there's a part at near the end where they're skulking around and they're just basically moving a cart with like the masks on it oh. and it basically just felt like those cartoons where they have like the bush that they're running yeah, yeah, with their yeah, legs yeah. and then they sit down well, for, and then, uh, <laughs> it's like, this is a little <laughs> corny but i kind of love it too at the same time yeah the ending gets so cheesy i mean this is alleged to be a city under constant surveillance by robots mm-hmm. and then when he needs to sneak in the cameras don't seem to work right when he's captured he kicks in a tv i don't know if people know this but the crt tv glass is like four inches we've thick. talked about that in another <laughs> on another episode i can't remember which one but yeah like you're not kicking in that glass there's no way (laughs) and then for him to suddenly have that glass shard in his hand even though his hands are taped to a chair is fucking ridiculous yeah there's a lot of shorthand that's going through that uh Um, his his ability to flip his mask onto the camera that was amazing genius so you know at that point it's kind of just schlocky it's not quite camp i don't think it's just it doesn't quite get to that level no it is kind of fun they redeem themselves with the the twist because the whole time i'm wondering why is this girl still alive it doesn't make any sense but she's not (laughs) spoiler alert she's not which is effectively creepy Mm-hmm. Effectively creepy for sure. Effectively creepy for sure is how I describe myself when trying to pick up women. I also just love clockwork things. I don't know what it is. At, from an early age, I just like like gears and things moving around. Probably why I still love Return to Oz as much as I do mm. as well, which is another hated movie yeah, that yeah. most people don't like. That uh, brass TikTok. robot. Yeah, it's yeah, TikTok. Yeah. So if you have to like turn something with a key and then it like kind of runs around and stuff, which is why I love old timey toys that were made out of metal. <laughs> Again, I should have been born in 1920 is what I'm trying you, to tell you. Have the vocabulary for it, the parlance. <laughs> well, zoinks, yeah. So like th- that that whole stuff, I love, and I like that that is kind of also that central mystery. I remember watching it the first time of like, so where is this going? Of that woman that he has, uh, you know, seduced to basically do some investigation mm-hmm. the for the daughter him. of like, them. Someone's been mucking around with these results, so you think, yeah, they probably sent spies to muck with the results. It's uh, like, the I don't think this is even human. Yeah, it's yeah. like it's like, wait a second. What is she trying to say? And then she like sees this is a gear and it starts to kind of piece together. Like, oh, they're robots. Yeah. <laughs> so I just had a, there's a vegan bakery here in, uh, in Calgary and they had a cruffin that had a mango mousse or something in it. Mm. And so when the first robot dies and his oh, and yeah. that gel starts coming in his mouth, I was like, oh, he's a cruffin. Yeah, it should have been more like the <laughs> alien version where there's this milk that's just yeah. pouring out of their face. I mean, that's effectively so much creepier because it's just gross when yeah, it's wh- like semen-like, like it's white. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay. Well, but that's what makes it gross. This thing looked like he was biting to jam. You know, it's kind of funny, right? <laughs> well, right in. Do you think custard is scarier or milk is scarier? Milk. Lactose intolerance bias. <laughs> I do want to just take a moment and talk about the music. Because yeah, this is a, a recurring thing in most things that John Carpenter was 
associated with. Like he's he's producer of this. He's co-composer on this as well. And he always says like the only reason he even got into making music in his movies in the first place was because he was cheap and he was making uh, films. So he, he was like director, writer, editor, composer so that he himself. could... He did it all himself, so he didn't have to pay somebody else. Yep. And I'm sure we'll probably eventually talk about The Thing, which does come out in 1982, where he finally gets this chance to hire out all this stuff, and people don't <laughs> appreciate it at the time. No. But I, I think he, low-key, he doesn't get this credit. He, He's starting to get the credit for, like, great director. I think he's a great composer. I think he's really good. good this, effectively yeah. good composer. And I think the music in this is, is it rips. Mm. It's really, really good. For, for the tone, yeah. I mm. mean, I don't know. I'm not like you, Kyle. I wouldn't buy a score CD. <laughs> In and general. I have a ton of them, yeah, so yeah. yes. So I don't know if I'd appreciate it at that level. However, uh, at least in terms of how the music and sound effects are utilized in this, it, it's actually quite good. It's uh, creepy when it needs to be. There's some interesting jump scares that are actually quite effective um, mm -hmm. as opposed to Friday the 13th. And the other thing comparing the two is the action and the tension are built and paced well throughout this movie. Yeah. So, you know, maybe the bar is even lower for me because we watched... <laughs> That other piece of crap before the music and the sound effects are very good and they match really well with the cinematography so you you feel like you're watching a movie movie yeah this feels yeah. like a movie yeah and not like is this in focus yeah not a <laughs> not a handy cam with a bunch of kids who should maybe be in porn it's uh whoa. it's quite good yeah. whoa that's the level of acting Friday the 13th part three. I'm all about vibes. So I love throwing on scores to work to. Carpenter does really well because it's unlike John Williams, right, which is sometimes bombastic mm. in the themes. And you kind of want to like Too sit dramatic. there and take it in. You want to go is on it, an adventure. Exactly. So uh, Carpenter's stuff is usually like very vibey. So it's like it can play in the background while you're doing stuff. And it's you like, would make I, a lot of I'm money feeling Spotify. creeped out right yeah. now. Why is this? <laughs> I just read this article about uh, how Spotify is going to destroy music, how their algorithm is really fascinating nobody listens to songs anymore Correct. we listen to playlists yes and then they're manicured by these companies before you go on i think that's so fascinating because i remember the time going through when itunes came out where it was going to kill music because not only people were listening to singles instead right. of the albums right which wasn't wrong no they're not yeah. wrong the interesting thing about the that article is how the conspiracy that seems to be uh, true is they manipulate the algorithm for their playlists, but they also, for example, one of the more popular playlists, and I do this too, it's like not easy listening, but mm. yeah, atmospheric electronic music. It's actually produced by like three companies that are in bed with Spotify. Right. And they likely cut their commission rate so that they keep getting pushed on the algorithm. So people like vibes, but what is it costing us, Kyle? Do you like vibes? Do you like your soul? <laughs> Tell me right now. Vibes. Even after reading that, I'm like, I still got to go with the playlist. It's too, it's exhausting. How do I find artists anymore? <laughs> Yell out your window. Hey, what music do you listen to? And they'll be like, oh, this playlist. My playlist. I love it. Uh, all right. Let's do some backstory here then, uh, which is that this film opened up on October 22nd, 1982. So coming up on its 40th birthday, it is rated 3.0 on Letterboxd. I want to point out that it's slightly higher than the Letterboxd rating for Friday the 13th Part 3. Okay. However, it's rated 5.1 on IMDb, which is slightly lower than what hmm. Friday the 13th Part 3 is. So I thought that was interesting that the two user groups yeah, yeah. 
Uh, I usually don't see a disparity with that. Okay. 50 on Metacritic, which is higher. And then on Rotten Tomatoes, 47%. Sorry, 32 critics gave it a 47%. And 50,000 plus users gave it 28%. It's low. So it's very low. The users have it way lower than Friday the 13th Part 3. And the critics have it way higher. So again, interesting split that I was noticing in between the two movies. Well, we did talk last week about, tried to talk about who actually watches these films. Sure. Yeah. So like the fans coming out again, you're a hardcore Halloween fan. I'm sure you still think this is one of the worst entries. I also would say the type of people who would watch Friday 13th Part 3 are the people that spend the most time on the internet. Why would ever <laughs> you make that conclusion, Dave? Because uh, trolls be trolling, man. Actually, this movie kind of reminds me of... Do you know the history of Troll 2? No. Okay, it's, it's uh, famously one of the movie. worst films of all time. There's okay. a whole documentary made out of it like a decade ago. It had its moment for a while because of how memeable that movie is because okay. of how bad it is. Okay. Troll 2, as you would expect, oh, must be a sequel to Troll. It's not. There's not even a movie called Troll. It no. is literally just called Troll 2 to entice people to come in. And it's such a bizarre movie. It's so dumb. Okay, anyways. Off topic. It's kind of like Halloween 3. Available on DVD and Blu-ray. Currently available to purchase on, or rent on iTunes or YouTube. Its budget was $2.2 million. Made $14.4 million. So like 60% less than Friday the 13th Part 3. Which if adjusted for inflation is $44 million. The plot description is... Kids all over America want silver shamrock masks for Halloween. Director Daniel Chalice seeks to uncover a plot by doctor, silver... Doctor, doctor. What did I say? Director. Dr. Daniel... <laughs> Dr. Daniel Chalice. Doc, Dr. Daniel Chalice, Chalice seeks to uncover a plot by silver shamrock owner Connell Cochran. Connell Cochran. Great, great name, I have to say. <laughs> I'm surprised they took the O out of it. They may as well have just gone for the full... Connell Cochran. Connell yeah. Cochran. <laughs> It's uh, time have to we have, Is there an ethnic group we haven't offended yet? Oh, I'm sure. We're working on it. Yeah. We're working. Your we're time coming, is coming, on. Welsh. <laughs> time to play everyone's favorite game. Guess, Guess that, that, that tag. tag. So that's when I don on my nice blazer here, Dave. As you can see, my long microphone like Bob Barker used to use. One of these is the real tagline for Halloween 3, Seasons of the Witch. The other two, completely made up by me. Maybe you are about to go and watch Halloween Ends uh, at the oh, movie right. theater, okay. and there's a little line at the bottom of it that says, like, oh my God, I have to see this movie now because of this tagline. It's so enticing to me. One of these is the real one. Two of these are completely made up by me. Dave, is the tagline, eight more days till Halloween, don't turn off the TV, the night no one came home. I thought you were going to say the night no one cared. I'm going to go with the first one. Eight more days till Halloween? Yeah. Incorrect. Damn it. It is the third one. It's been a bit cheeky. It took me a while to be like, the night no one came home. The original tagline for Halloween, the first movie, is the night he came home, uh, is what the tagline for that uh, is. So they're okay. playing a bit on, on that. Even so, though it has nothing to do with the first Correct, movie. Yeah. yeah. But so an interesting uh, one that kind of works for me, I have to say. Okay. What do you think about that little jingle, by the way, that plays through the movie? It was pretty funny. It is weird to think about, and I don't know if old TV was like this, that they could have like a song that actually counted down and right. it's not pre-recorded that already you gotta it's like a red flag yeah you, something's going TV's on tv's like talk to your kids you gotta but what it reminded me of and i i actually did like how much it was commented on throughout the movie it's like this fucking song like just <laughs> up but it honestly reminds me of each summer i grew up here 
close to Calgary, in a little town, but close to us was this place called Sylvan Lake. Okay. And they used to have these water slides there called Wild Rapids. Nice. And every summer, you could not go 20 minutes without one of the commercial breaks being like, whoa, 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 wild rapids. Come down to Sylvan Lake and enjoy the sidewinder. And like they go yeah. through all the different ones. I'm like, how many times do I have to listen to this goddamn jingle <laughs> throughout the summertime? It just reminds me of those types of things. In Toronto in the 80s, it was African Lion Safari. Oh my God. Right? <laughs> yes. African Lion Safari. Uh, I think they're closed now for animal cruelty. You don't say. <laughs> <laughs> Marine Land had one too. And I think yeah. they're closed. Everyone loves too. Marine. Yeah. Man. You got that out here? So oh, people yeah. would fly to Ontario to yeah. go look at a dead orca? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Just floating sideways <laughs> in the tank. Uh, and then there's Canada Wonderland. Canada, Canada Wonderland, Wonderland. Is, yeah. is amazing. You will poo your pants if you go there. Well, this movie stars Tom Atkins as Dr. Daniel Chalice, Stacey Nelkin as Ellie Grimbridge, and Dan O'Herlihy as Carl Cochran. Uh, anything you want to say about these? No, I didn't do any of the research. I, at this point, I think for these B-movies, Kyle, mm. I just haven't... Well, I know Daniel Hurley, he was a big character actor. Like, all these people were character actors. He right. just brought in to be in the lead roles. He's in a really big movie, and I know I can't remember which one it is. Tom Atkins, I just know, is literally being in the background or having, like, one line in a lot of John Carpenter films. Oh, okay. Like, he's in Escape from Los Angeles... Sorry, Escape from New York. Oh. He's in... Escape from New York is also a John Carpenter film? Yeah, he directed that one. So I apparently like John Carpenter. Yeah, you do. <laughs> oh, Dan O'Hurley was the bag end Robocop. There we go. That's oh my God, one. of course he yes, was. Yes, 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 I was like, why does this guy look so familiar? He plays so a good bad guy, I have to say. He's, he's a great. good bad guy. He's, good, he's a good bad guy in this. He's okay. just got a creepy face. <laughs> that's like, I think that's the key, honestly, to like quote unquote character actors that get so much bookings. Oh, yeah, they're weird. Yeah. Like, do you have a weird fucking face? Yeah. Right? Do you make money? I, do you have a weird face? I mean, it's the thing with um, Danny Trejo, right? It's like, we need the tough-looking Mexican guy. Well, Danny Trejo is right yeah. there. Why get somebody else when he's right there? Uh, that was that guy that he always plays a terrorist. I don't even think that he's Arab, but oh, fuck. <laughs> That's the other name? thing that happens, but, too. But uh, yeah, he plays, he, he spent a lot of time in late 90s throughout maybe the last 10 years. Oh, I don't remember his name anymore. Cinematography is by Dean Cundy. Again, emphasis on the D. I have to say Cundy. If you ha enjoyed like the prototypical 80s or 90s films, Dean Cundy is probably responsible for that. His top four, according to IMDb, are Apollo 13 from 1995, Back to the Future from 1985, Who Framed Roger Rabbit from 1988, and Jurassic Park from 1993. Wow. So the guy knows how to shoot a movie. Yeah, he's, right. a, he's, he's a real... He has movie. a wild career, though, because he really falls off like in the late 90s into the 2000s for some reason. I don't know if he works much anymore. Old? I don't know, because then he starts doing things like baby geniuses and stuff. Like, why? Why are you working on this movie? You're good at what you do. Late life crisis. People just want to have fun sometimes. We, we can't all John Williams it. True enough. And just hit an Oscar for every year you're active. It's true. Yeah. This is, of course, written by Tommy Lee Wallace with some uncredited rewrites by John Carpenter and an original script that is not credited to Nigel Neal, which we'll get to in a moment. Okay. Directed by Tommy Lee Wallace. The third most famous Tommy Lee. So we've talked about what's happened in Halloween 1 and 2. Michael Myers, super duper dead. Producers want to continue the series. John Carpenter and Deborah Hill, who'd done the first two films, agree to come aboard as producers, but only if they start as an anthology series from that point. Which I was trying to think about this. 
Outside of TV, because I can think of a bunch of uh, uh, examples on TV, is there any anthology movie series that you can think of that's like quote unquote popular? Wait, like what? Are you, Which would be like every movie is a different set of characters. Oh, but it keeps the same name. Star Trek, I guess. But it's that same characters, right? You know, because like an anthology TV series would be The Twilight Zone, where okay. it's not like a, a storyline that's continuing on. Oh, okay, with okay. the same characters is a completely different thing yeah, every single film? time. Hmm. We associate these characters too strong to a to title it. I don't know. Like there's anthology films in in the sense that it's like four short films put together into one movie or yeah, yeah. that sort of thing. But that's a little but bit as different. As a franchise, but as a franchise, I can't think of any. No. And I think it is that thing. It's like if it's a movie, I think people expect there to be continuation. Yeah. And with TV shows, you're a little bit less forgiving. I think. I, and the a TV series can pitch itself that way. Yes. So that you know what to expect. Going in. And there's so many like that. Right. You're not waiting four years and being like, it's yeah. the new Michael Myers movie. It's like, no. It's I not. love that we live in an age where I won't even start a series anymore if I have to wait a week for the next episode. Oh, you're one of those people. <laughs> All right. Now, Nigel Neal, I'm assuming Dave, is a name that does not no. have any reference to you. I, I know his name was familiar, but it took me a minute to remember how I knew the connection. He was this really well-known British science fiction writer and was known and would have been known at this time because he made a name for himself doing the Quater Mass films and TV shows in Britain. Mm, nothing. I know. It, I was not very familiar with this until a couple of years ago. I keep name dropping them, but on Scream Scene, they've been talking about Quater Mass recently because in the 50s, there's a bunch of films that were based on this idea. Think of it as... Sort of like James Bond, but uh, science fiction instead. Okay. <laughs> instead of like spy stuff. Okay. Uh, he goes around and investigates stuff and solves the case at the last like minute. Sort proto of thing. Doctor Who. Yeah. It's Doctor Who might be the better one. Yeah. Okay. So he explicitly is given this job of making basically an original movie that's going to have the name Halloween 3 put onto it. And he does not include a lot of gore because he thought it was more interesting to focus on the internal rather than the external terror of this story. And then Dino De Laurentiis insisted that more gore be included, which is then when Neil demanded that his name be taken off the film. Ah, I see. <laughs> so he walked away from the project. But from what I understand, the basic shell of this is his story feels with, like it. I mean, some rewrites. not that I know who he is, but if mm -hmm. you're describing him as a British science fiction writer mm -hmm. for screen, that's what this feels like. Yeah. So uh, because this is such a small budget, the decision was to go with all character actors that had, they'd all been in stuff before, but never in lead roles. The original director was Joe Dante. Joe Dante was supposed to do this. Okay. Do you not know who Joe Dante is? No. Gremlins. He did Gremlins. Oh, okay. Okay. With his other, yeah, he I did grew up in a time one. where I watched Gremlins, and I don't care who made it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you should. <laughs> it's uh, like I've watched so many John Carpenter films, oh, I didn't I'm, realize I'm, they were John Carpenter films. It's yeah. so funny. Gremlins, The Burbs, Small Soldiers, Toy Soldiers, Small Soldiers, Small Soldiers. Okay. Oh, Inner Space. Okay. He did Inner Space. Hmm. Joe Dante is hired to be the director. But two weeks before they're about to shoot this film, he drops out. Oh, he wow. quits. Uh, and he goes on to work on the Twilight Zone movie. Which, no. do you know anything about the history of the no, Twilight Zone? I oh, my God. I suspect it was a bad one. It's a huge fiasco. So yeah. it's him, Steven Spielberg, and John Landis oh. all do shorts for the Twilight Zone movie. Oh, wow. Another anthology film that we were yeah, just yeah. talking about. I actually can't believe you have never heard this story because it's a pretty famous story. And this is why my motto has always been, fuck John Landis. Because he knowingly did something that was very unsafe that caused a helicopter to crash and decapitate an actor and two kids. Oh, nice. So. Good. Good for John Landis. And then if you want to feel bad about all of Hollywood, 
and Spielberg, they kind of swept it underneath the rug. Yeah. <laughs> so everyone is kind of culpable that's involved in that movie. It's not a good good story that comes out of that. Good. So good. Almost like a Twilight Zone episode. Almost. Mm-hmm. So a little bit of a debacle that film turns into, but that's what he goes off to do. Okay. So scrambling, they pick Tommy Lee Wallace to make his directing debut with this film. He'd pre- he'd previously been a set designer and art director on the previous two Halloween films. Okay. He would go on to make other horror films, but probably the most notable thing he did after this was the It miniseries with Tim Curry. Okay. So the scary clown, um, which does not hold up. It's not very good. Mm. Now, by all accounts, the shoot was a fun shoot. The actors all got along. All of them say that Wallace was a very... He was a gentleman, was encouraging. Not handsy. But not handsy. Was open to collaboration from actors and stuff, like to try different things and different takes. Uh, we talked about the, the music here. John Carpenter worked with Alan Howarth on the music. They collaborated on the previous film because Carpenter did not direct Halloween 2. He just did the producing and, and soundtrack again. They very specifically were interested in not using an orchestral score. Not that the other Halloweens used a lot, but there was a bit. But this was no orchestral score at all experimenting with synthesizers all synths that's Uh, the 80s right but again it's like that 80s sound go into the wikipedia and read up on it i tried reading through it and making sense of why this is so unique as far as like the time signatures they were using and stuff it may actually made no sense to me but apparently they did something really revolutionary as far as how they scored this thing Hmm. I'm just going to okay. bring it out there. It's released and everybody hates it. <laughs> Critics hated it. The public hated it. And we've kind of gone into other reason why that is. Its reputation, as I mentioned, has started to shift a little bit with many critics coming around on looking at more of its message that's more cutting than originally, I guess, engaged with. Taken out of the Halloween franchise, people are a little bit more fully able to connect with it than if you're like really into the Halloween franchise. But I will say this is kind of the most weird thing about this, especially on its initial reaction the shamrock symbol actually becomes super important in the halloween franchise after yeah so in that four five and six that like little trilogy i mentioned it's broken apart and each of those is like a specific rune that is about this ancient like secret society that actually picked michael myers like this is how convoluted the storylines get okay that they've been following around and this is why michael myers can never die is because of these Mm, ancient curse with witches and these runes and so They've eventually brought Halloween 3 to be part of the continuity of it, even though it really wasn't, especially because they watched the original Halloween on the TV in this movie. Yeah, so it, it really was, doesn't it make sense. Yeah, yeah. It referenced itself, which is kind of weird. Not as weird as the new Hocus Pocus, which also the same thing happens, where this character is watching the original Hocus Pocus what? on a movie, on a TV set. This is why I won't watch shit like yep. that. And you will. Yep. Pal. You will. Too much time on your hands. As an Easter egg, too, <laughs> in the latest Halloween films, the ones that are directed by David Gordon Green, okay, at least as of this recording, the masks from this film, those, like, whatever it is, the... Jack-o'-lantern, the, Jack-o'-lantern, the witch, and the skull. And the skull. Yeah. Those show up in a very prominent scene in the last film that came out. Okay. With the little shamrock symbol on the back of the masks. So it's a very direct reference to this movie. Okay. Other horror films have paid homage with those masks showing up as backgrounds, as little Easter eggs. Most notably, I would say, 2014 film The Guest. Uh, And apparently, there is a German metal group called Halloween. Halloween. Uh, who used the jingle from this movie as the intro to one of their albums. Nice. So all of this is to say that liking Halloween 3 is basically this hipster point of view, but it's gaining ground. It's starting to, I think, come back and be reevaluated. Well, yeah, I mean, 
just from those little factoids, it sounds like people in the industry don't mind this movie either. Yeah. So, eh. I, I truly think that there are certain films, again, I'm not trying to say this is a great, great film, but something that John Carpenter found himself happening to him and his films that he directed so often, those were unappreciated and yeah, it took about a decade. He's a little bit salty about that. It's like, great, I wish they had come yeah at the time so that i could have made more films but they didn't so yeah. it's like it's a kind of that double-edged sword it's like great yeah I'm, it's being evaluated but it doesn't really help me now yeah. that it's being reevaluated. i feel that way i feel yeah. we're ahead of the times yeah like uh, in 10 years people gonna be like colin day versus the machine oh my god have you listened to this podcast oh well, I, I don't know like uh, helen and i were helen was pushing no waste mm. eight years ago and we were glass jarring and shit and everybody thought it was weird and then we gave up and now it's fucking trending right, we were right. I only poop in jars now. We were vegan in Calgary where vegan meant you ate chicken. And now it's like (laughs) there's vegan everything in every restaurant. I put QR codes at my uh, Mm -hmm. art shows when I was trying to sell art for uh, coffee shows when we met. And nobody knew how to use them. And now QR codes are commonplace. You're so above the curve. I'm the John Carpenter of Calgary. You really are. (laughs) There's cabs now with QR codes. He's just like... Take a photo and like call a cab. It's crazy. Come on, man. I just want to go back to the main character here again. I think this is this is a really hard line to walk. I just think that this movie does a good job of it where this guy's an asshole. Yeah. Like straight up. He's not shown to be a good person and yet is compelling enough to be like, well, I want to know how this like mystery ends. But I still don't really care about you as a person. Yeah. You're okay if he dies. Yeah. But you want to see the resolution of the film. Right. And hopefully he gets back in time to save his own kids. And uh, I, I know some people even call this a cheap ending because you don't actually see the resolution to it. But I don't know. For I always like these types of things where it's like the dread is, I think, more important than actually seeing whether he succeeds or not. I think that's the thing about what's his name, Neil or Nigel Norn or whatever. Um, it's written actually pretty well. Like yes. So the, the spine really well. of it is actually pretty good, which makes it watchable. And then, you know, the trappings are a little bit cheap because it's a low budget quote-unquote horror mm-hmm. film but you know hearkening back to tv science fiction this is this is a great tv science fiction episode True. right you could put this in tri- star trek or on uh this could have been a twilight, twilight zone, zone episode or, I, yeah, I wrote that Doctor down like, Who. Yeah. like honestly you could pare this down to a 60 minute Absolutely. twilight zone episode yes. fairly easily and yes. i think retain a lot of its power it's a, we saw that in the hospital, right? Yeah. The movie, The Hospital from 1971. Just right, in case people In our bonus episode on The Hospital, we see a character who's awful, mm-hmm. but they're put in a situation where we want to see um, the story through. That'll, I'll give this movie marks for that because uh, I finished it and I didn't really mind watching it. This is just another shout out to Dean Candy again, emphasis on the D, which is... <laughs> I don't want it to make it sound like it's a T. So I well, I, you just say it. It doesn't matter. It makes it sound like you're alluding that it's about a penis. Frankly, oh, yeah, yeah. You're constantly so saying with Dean the Cundy's D. penis is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> also, his first name starts with a D, Dean. so it's like confusing. You, mm. Yeah, you're making it sound like we should be calling him D Cundy. No, D- Dean Cundy. <laughs> emphasis on the second D. What? This is this is a shout out to Nobody him. Nobody cares. Yeah, <laughs> this is a shout out to him. <laughs> Like, other than just to look at the film, which is like, again, the certain colors pop out of the screen. A lot of primary colors. It looks yeah. like the prototypical 80s movie. Yeah. Like, when I think about 80s movies, as we just shown, like, three huge examples, like, oh, it was all shot by the same person. This is why. 
there's those sequences when they're going around to the different locations in the United States and it's all backlit. Yes. I love those silhouetted scenes of like walking through like deep oranges of Los Angeles and like the blues of Cal of uh, like Seattle and like uh, I don't yeah, know if they actually went to those locations. I don't care, but it's like it's such a beautiful tableau of them going through that. And like that is what artistry looks like. Yes. I know we keep comparing this to last week's film, but this is what artistry looks like versus like a trash fire. Yeah, I was struck by that for sure. I think too, you know, being a parent and I guess I don't really remember Halloweening other than event specific memories, mm. but watching my son go out for Halloween, although Calgary is kind of unique because it gets so fucking dark here so yeah. early and it's usually really cold. And you have to wear a coat out over top of your costume. Right. Yeah. But that sunset feel and you know, can't actually see the kids in the costumes like on the street mm -hmm. anyways. It's just, it's almost like romantic. So when that final scene comes up, I'm worried about these kids because mm -hmm. that is what Halloween is, you know, the, the silhouette of kids trying to have fun. Uh, kids don't wear such gruesome masks anymore. I don't think they ever did. I think it was just played for this film. Because I'll tell you, you know, when we used to open doors for the Halloween before we had kids, if some kid showed up in that witch mask, I'd be like, no, no, you don't get candy. You're <laughs> no, free. You. There's something wrong with you. I mean, that's why like, so many places <laughs> don't allow you to wear masks as Halloween costumes anymore. It's like, no, we, we need to see your actual yeah, face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's weird. Do you have anything, any, I guess, final thoughts about some of the messages of the film, meaning that anti-consumerism, capitalist critique? I don't know. I mean, you know, that fourth wall break's actually pretty interesting, where he's like telling the viewers of the movie to just turn it off. So there's a lot of intent there. Is it well, successful? Does it have a positive yeah, message? I don't know. I've, yeah, that, that that's what I'm less convinced of. I like that they tried to tackle that. Yeah. It's always a hard thing. Right, Within with films or TV, yeah. with when, when that's the, the main core message, because it's not even like necessarily disagree with it in principle, but it's also like, Preaching but you want me to purchase this and yeah, pay yeah. a ticket to it yeah. to not be, you know what I mean? So it's uh, not that you can't criticize capitalism by, by being hypocrisy. a capitalist. Right? Yeah, there's hypocrisy to it. Uh, so. that, that being said, I, I think that, uh, the 80s was an interesting time, right? Because there's like satanic panic going on. There's like this fear of television and how it's corrupting people's faces, uh, faces, corrupting people. <laughs> uh, but uh, I forget if it was like end of the seventies or when it was in the eighties, there's that famous when they call like PBS into the Senate halls. There's the famous time oh, that yeah. Mr. Rogers like stands up. It's like, no, there's television there's, can be, there's good things on can be too, good. Yeah. Right. I think it's really trying to contend with that a little bit because like we all know whether it's internet, TV, movies, the vast majority of stuff is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> like it's not good. It's not nourishing for mind or soul or anything. It's just garbage. But there's a, sometimes that little bit that sneaks through. And, I, and it's just interesting that this film is going into this idea of this guy kind of like who's been living for 3,000 years like, no, who really deserves to die? Children. <laughs> well, he does that whole uh, thing with the, you know, oh, and we had that moon festival 3,000 years ago where we needed to sacrifice the kids and the animals yeah. to appease whatever. Mm -hmm. it, just listening to you talk about how the content is so garbage, it reminds me, I think it was the beginning of this season because you're railing against how the genre film means that modern film doesn't a lot for intellectual discourse but it's always been this way you know for whatever reason the vast majority of the viewing public wants to pay money for the garbage right you know 71 was weird for us because it felt inverted but yeah. i don't know if that was true in the 50s and the 30s or whatever maybe not you know people well, might have I, wanted I more swashbuckling things uh, we haven't looked at those numbers yeah but. i don't think it has to be 
entirely one way or the other, right? I, I do think that there can be a blockbuster that actually also talks about some big important things. I also don't think every blockbuster needs to do that. Sometimes it can right. just be fun, right? right? Indiana Jones is just fun and I enjoy watching it. It doesn't have to be anything deeper than that. Where I've kind of come and what, what a lot of other people are saying, so it's me just parroting what other people have, have talked about. For whatever reason, there's been this turn, which is if I'm going out to the movieplex 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 that's okay. right yeah yeah because because theaters want to like maximize how much money they are yes they're going to have smaller movies there but like eight out of the ten theaters are going to be the huge blockbusters which squeeze it out which more things go into streaming and people unless you know a bunch of people push it to them the algorithm is never going to serve that up to you so you like you really have to search for it and for whatever reason people don't want to search for it that is what theaters could do. There was this ability to like, oh my God, you have to go and see this movie. I really loved it. Go and watch it. And because you had to yeah, go but- to a movie theater, it forced there to be that um, feeling of uh, scarcity that people would go and watch it. And now that everything just gets dumped on the streaming, unless it is Top Gun Maverick, people are not going to be like, well, I have to go out of my way to watch this thing. You know, you know, where the, I don't know if it's a fallacy that seems too strong because it makes me think I'm right, but I think a perspective on this is that film nerds like all people who talk too much uh, <laughs> idealize that the rest of the world thinks like they do sure yeah, yeah. but the, it's completely false most of the people do not give a shit about the intellectual content of a film they don't i, I question you on this when we talk about these uh, budget numbers sorry these uh, box office numbers wouldn't it be more accurate to talk about the number of people that show up to the theaters rather than the yes. dollar amount which is very difficult for us to guess at because you know we'd have to do math and that would suck but it, within a year context the box office is easier to find and at least you can say okay no i know <laughs> I, I guess my yeah. point being from a sociological perspective it is just interesting to think about the type of people that will watch halloween 3 versus the type of people that will watch I don't know, what's something, the losing ground, let's mm-hmm. say, something like total academic project, not a great film. Should we be comparing the two? They're completely different yeah, audiences. Completely different. I, I think, Should we be I, prizing one over the other? Who, who makes that decision? Yeah, I, I think at the beginning of the season, I was a little bit more doom and gloom than what my current position is, because I think I've seen the counter example too many times throughout the year to be like, okay, like if you if people want to see it, they'll see it and, and they'll support it. Like yeah. everything everywhere all at once is a great example yeah. of that. That was like, thought no one was going to see it and then it became like the biggest a24 film of all time yeah. like that is not something people would have predicted at the beginning of the year so it still happens and so i'm, I'm glad for that i also have to be aware taking halloween 3 as an example i want to get into talking about the anti-consumerism and how dean candy shoots his scenes and the, the way it was made but most people are going to go and watch it like did it scare me was i interested yeah end of a discussion yeah and so if that's a yes or no that a b dichotomy that's how people mostly view movies was it good or bad that's it (laughs) yeah yeah i mean and not to be dismissive of the general public but i just think that however people are independently i think from a mass consumption perspective like mass uh, group Mm -hmm. psychology perspective you know there's a reason why in the 80s people wanted to watch young women get sliced into pieces you know there's something psychotic about it in reflection but there's also something very mm, shallow and topical (laughs) Sure. And 
the vast majority of people did not want to be challenged intellectually in a theater. And the ones that did watched the movies that we may now prize. You know, like Blade Runner was a box office failure, uh, but nerds like me like it. So does that make it a better film than Friday the 13th Part 3? I mean, I think so. But the vast majority of people don't give a shit. Right. And there are going to be a lot of people we meet on the streets that have still not watched Blade Runner because they're like, oh, well, that's a nerdy film. Nobody cares about it. Yeah. You know, I want to watch what's the latest Halloween movie coming out. Halloween know. Kills. Scream 27. Right. You know, um, I, I just don't know. We're done here. All right. The machine has uh, told us that we have to wrap just things shut up here. up. So we're going to get into Critics' Choice. Roger Ebert did watch this movie. He did hate it. He had one and a half stars <laughs> out of four. And he wrote in part, like a lot of horror movies in this age of self-conscious filmmaking, Ooh. Halloween 3 is filled with references to other movies. The friendly motel owner in the company town, for example, is dressed as a dead ringer for Henry Fonda in On Golden Pond. The scene where the bugs and snakes crawl out of the crushed skull is a croft reference, sort of, to The Thing. The last movie by John Carpenter, whose original Halloween was uncomparably better than parts two and three. But the funniest reference comes when the hero and heroine break into O'Hurley He's factory and are captured. Then the demented toy maker takes them on a tour of his facility while explaining his diabolical scheme. He's got an obligatory underground mad scientist laboratory, and we know the approach by heart from all the James Bond movies. White coated technicians scurry around with clipboards while the boss arranges a demonstration of the weird method of killing that will soon be tried on the heroes. The funny part is that the underground lab is so cheesy. It consists of a few TV monitors of high-tech bookshelves and a paper mache mock-up of one of those stones from Stonehenge. If you can figure out what Stonehenge has to do with this movie, you're smarter than anyone in it. Next, there are a lot of shots of the guy and girl running from O'Hurley's henchmen. These are all obligatory shots where the man grabs the woman's hand and yanks her along, she of course being too dumb to run from danger on her own. I mean, it's interesting though that he's usually such a softy and he picks up very critically on the weak spots, which are all valid. It's, yeah, that's a hard thing. It's, like, it's not that I even disagree with some yeah. of the stuff he's pointing out there. It's uh, just really upset he, about it. He was, and him and, and Siskel both were often painted as hating all horror movies, mm. which is not true. But yeah, when he hated a horror movie, like he dug into it and like yeah. really hated it. Pauline Kael did not review this movie. So instead- I'm going to look at how old is she at this point? I think she's just mm. tired of it. Eh? I don't think she did much for horror films, to be honest with yeah. you. I think well, she said, hasn't, no. we haven't seen her at all in 82. Well, about half the films. films. Half? But we, I, think, I think we'd look this up. She was doing this like one week she would do it and then the next week the other critic would do it. So yeah. it just I think she's starting to retire soon. Yeah. So I went to Letterboxd and I found Todd mm. who gave this film four stars okay. and wrote, I would pick the skeleton mask. That's the best one, right? If it wasn't for the kind of boring first half hour, this would be a Halloween masterpiece. As it is, Halloween 3 is still awesome, featuring a bizarre protagonist that can't help but not root for, and a funny movie that at times feels like it was made for children. The last hour is bonkers, and Connell Cochran is one of the all-time great horror villains. This is way undervalued. 60 people like that review. Mm -hmm. We do have to ask the question we ask every week. Does this hold up? And is it still culturally relevant? What do you say? No, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, uh, it looks pretty, but yeah. it looks pretty in a nostalgic 80s way. Sure. Uh, and then the story's dumb. So if you like old science fiction -y stuff, it's good. If you like slasher horror films, it's terrible. I think I'm a yes and no. I don't think this has any cultural relevance no. at all. Uh, but... I think it holds up. I think if you're willing to go into it with an open mind of like, this is not a Halloween film, like at all, 
then I think there's, and there's enough no witches. There. Yeah. And there's no witches, so the, yeah. it's doubly wrongly titled. Yeah. Then I think it, there's enough there for you to kind of. It does on happen to. on Halloween, so you can give it a yeah. little bit of leeway on calling it. That's Halloween. why I think it should be called Witchcraft colon Halloween. It should have been called uh, Robots on All Hallows Eve. <laughs> Uh, this should have been called Connell Cochran. <laughs> Connell Cochran's <laughs> Shamrock Surprise. That sounds like the grossest sexual position. So we do need to rate this film, but before we do, that's what Dave and I thought. What do you think? You can send any feedback to Kyle and Dave vs the machine at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter or Instagram with the handle KDVSTM. We also release, no, we don't. We also put up YouTube videos uh, occasionally up onto our YouTube channel. So check us out there. If you want to see the entire list of films we've watched and the ratings we've given, you can go to our Letterboxd page. That's letterboxd.com slash KDVSTM. Uh, and if you want to support us monetarily so that we can continue doing this podcast and not usher in the next apocalypse, you can go to our Patreon page. There is a link in the show notes of this episode. You can support for as low as a dollar per month. Something that you can do for absolutely free is to leave a rating and review on whatever app you use for podcasts. So let's get to the rating of this movie. Dave, out of five, what are you going to give Halloween 3 colon Season of the Witch? I think I'm going to go surprisingly high for myself on this. I have this thought of a 2.5. Whoa. And I'll tell you, it is a dumb movie. It's misnamed. And uh, the ending is kind of both stupid and still gives you a little bit of the, you know, the hook with the twist. But it's shot beautifully and I actually watched the whole thing. So it's kind of a hard thing for me to hate on completely. Well, I'm also going to give it a pretty high grade next to everything else. But I, I, I just come back to my enthusiasm for this. I'm going to the 3.5. I like this movie quite that's a bit. It's pretty high, yeah. That's pretty uh, high. I would have no problem rewatching this and never watching any of the other Halloween sequels ever again. So that says something about it. It's fighting for my second favorite Halloween film. So let's wow. put it that way. Wow. It's, okay, anyways, that's going to average to three out of five. So starting from the bottom, Dave, better or worse than The Dark Crystal? Oh, man, I don't know. Worse? Better? Let's go through the list and see if there's any. Yeah. I'll just give you the four films yeah, here. Yeah, so let's do it. we have The Dark Crystal, Conan the Barbarian, Smithereens, Quarrel. Yeah, it's probably at the bottom. I, the only one I, I struggle with is actually The Dark Crystal because yeah. I actually think I find this film more compelling than The Dark Crystal. Yeah, and it's short. And <sighs> Even though the artistry is probably better in The Dark Crystal, this no, is where it gets hard. The puppetry is. The puppetry yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we could put it above Dark Crystal. I'm okay with that. I was okay. a little bit disappointed that I didn't like The Dark Crystal more than I thought I was supposed to, and I really didn't. Oh, oh we forgot to uh, joke that... Like, he's wearing shoulder pads in some of his shirts. I'm pretty right? sure he is. Because he has a very thin waist. <laughs> and his shoulders are like, boom. Like, they're just... Like, he's not a skinny dude. Like, when he's no. naked, right? And yeah. we see his full butt. We forgot to joke yeah. about that. But that's the other thing it's about this. has got a good butt. Did we... We saw more of his butt than her boobs, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, you see a flash of her boob yeah. once. But, like, yeah, you so see a lot more of his butt. It's pretty classy for a slasher, like, for a horror film mm. from the 80s. He it's really likes to suck on nipples. That's his, like, thing. <laughs> his go-to maneuver. But I'm pretty sure there's shoulder pads in, like, a sweater. It was weird. Yeah, he got the, he had the same tailor, actually, as Margaret Thatcher. So, it was... <laughs> those, those are, like, shoulder plates. <laughs> mm. So, entering into the list at the new number 18 position, which is pretty high, I have to say. Yeah, I was not anticipating it to be this high. Take a lot of flag for that, too. It's Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Uh, but we should see what we're reviewing here next week. I'm going to push this button. Oh, we're going to stay on the John Carpenter train. We are going to watch The Thing. Wow. What a shocker. Shock what among shock. shocks. Uh, and you've never seen The Thing before? 
don't think so. Although ooh, the ooh, more I baby. think about it, it turns out I've maybe watched every John Carpenter film. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's actually surprising you haven't seen. Yeah. So maybe I have seen it. I do know Kurt Russell's in it. So yeah. maybe I have seen He's it. He's great. And Kurt Russell's the best. So. All right. Well, I guess... Uh, it's time to wrap things up here, and I'll just... Uh, Are we moving out of the cabin? Not no, yet. No, I think we're going to stick, stick around okay. in the cabin. Okay. Although, wait a second. Is everything in this cabin clockwork? Have we been in a robot the whole entire time? I don't know. Is the cabin the robot, or are you? Does not compute. Does not compute. <laughs> Is that how robots talk? <laughs> Although I... Defensive to robots. Yeah, Sorry, everyone. So we just got canceled. <laughs>